Duh, Yankees lose. <laughs> well, shit, that's better than what I was going to do. You're listening to episode number 299 of the Mighty Warriors 3 Marvel Podcast. <laughs> Another edition of the Mighty Warriors 3 Marvel Podcast. Now two years and eight days removed from the debut of the New Mutants trailer many, many years ago. Oh, bye. Uh, I am your host and newsboy, Bri Bri. Joining me, the Grand Poobah himself, the OG, the founder and captain of the ship, Benjamin, the Marvelous One. Benjamin, welcome to the show. We are Venom. We are Venom, indeed. We are all venomous to each other, and I feel like it's worked for us so far. Uh, also joining us all the way from the bowels of New York City, where the Yankees have been sent back packing to, Taser. Taser, welcome to the show. Sent back packing to what? Uh, back to the Bronx, presumably. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, also, um, considering what, what's happened to him, I think we need to change John John's name from Old Man Whirlyburger to Modoc because it sounded like he was having um no hold on Mobot mechanized organism designed only for burgers <laughs> <laughs> so Modob <laughs> yes I was going to suggest given this new health constraints we call him old man tofu burger but I don't know if that has the same ring to it no so. Modob Mo, Mo sounds better Modob no, no, Modob the Tofu man. There you go. <laughs> now you know what just realizes that's gonna have to be the title of the show, and I have to look up Modoc comic art. <laughs> well, you did it to yourself, Ben. You yeah. got no one to blame but yourself. Love you, uh, Modoc. <laughs> Indeed. We hope uh, without going into too much details, we hope John John is back with us soon because next episode is number three hundred. Holy fucking shit. Uh wow. And that's not even counting all the individual like movie reviews and TV reviews. We're at like three twenty something, three thirty, maybe like three three thirty something. Yeah, three thirty sounds about right. So, but uh, as far as mainstream episodes go, we'll be doing number three hundred next time around, which we'll go into that a little bit at the end. But for right now, we are once more your Marvel podcast that talks about all things comic book, TV, movies, video games, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, it has been. Um, it has been a couple weeks, I will say that. Uh, one of the bigger news pieces we got queued up, I'll get to that in a second. But um, I want to start off with just some lighter fare. And by lighter fare, I mean the end of the world, I guess. Because uh, Marvel Comics has recently announced a bunch of solicitations for a new run of The End. Which Have either of you read any of the The End books that are out there? I only remember a podcast making fun of the X-Men The End. <laughs> but I've never... X-Men... 
Book one, the end. Chapter one, Man and X-Man. That's all I remember, but I've never read them. I read Marvel, the end. Loved it. I read Fantastic That's Jim Starlin, isn't end. it? Yeah, it was. Um, I read Fantastic Four, the end, and it was happy. It was it was happy. I was disappointed. And fan, <clears throat> excuse me, um, X Men the End happened over like there was like multiple parts. Yeah, because it's Chris Claremont. Yeah, and and I never actually finished it. I went, wait a minute, there's more than. <laughs> and then I just kind of gave up, uh, and I think that was it for me. All right, fair enough. From my end of it, and eh, eh, pun not intended, um, I think I only ever read, uh, I want to say it was Hulk the End, and I think that was legit Peter David stuff, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, Peter David, George Perez. Yeah, yeah. And that was the only one I remember reading. I might have read one or two more, but I honestly can't remember much past of that. I and mean, that's the best one. It is. It really is. It got thrown into. I it was. It, I picked up a classic trade, and the trade was the entirety of the Maestro storyline, and then the yeah, end. future imperfect, and yeah. yeah. So no, it was the it was end trade. was not George Perez. George Perez was future imperfect. Dale Keown was yes, 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 was yes. The end, which is that's still fucking fantastic. I miss his art. Dale oh yeah, he was so great. But, uh, yeah, so Marvel is going back to the well, and they're going to be releasing a new slew of VN books, and I'll just take you through them as we go. Uh, we can shout out thoughts and, and feelings. Um, one of the first ones, obviously, is Captain Marvel VN number one, written by Kelly Thompson, going to be illustrated by George Jonti. I think that's how you pronounce that. Um, and it's going to be 50 years ago, Carol Danvers went into the deepest reaches of space of the cosmos to spread peace and justice, and she hasn't seen a familiar face on Earth since. Whatever happened to the planet she once called home? And so that will pretty much be kind of like a homecoming story, I guess. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, moving on from that, we have actually, funny enough, uh, Doctor Strange, the end number one, written by Leah Williams, illustrated by Felipe Andrade. Um, this is set in a cyberpunk scene uh, where Doctor Strange returns to a world that has forgotten all about magic. And uh, we'll see what that kind of takes from there. Uh, we have Miles Morales, the end number one, written by Saladin Ahmed, illustrated by Damian Scott. Um, it will be humanity has a stronghold set up in Brooklyn, read, led by Spider-Man, Miles Morales. And it will be about him trying to navigate humanity into the future. Uh, we have Captain America, the end number one, written and illustrated by Eric Larson. Uh, it's going to involve... that's that's interesting. Yeah, really. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what was the last it. thing Eric Larson did? Jesus, and he's Christ. been working on Savage Dragon. Shit, has so, that all? Is that all he's been doing for the? I last mean, he, I mean, yeah. Why he doesn't need to do anything else? No, he did. Yeah, I guess too. He did. Apple no, Apple. I mean, well, since because he he oh he yeah during the nineties yeah but like. For like, for like the past like after Aquaman, he oh well, then, yeah, it was also. pretty much uh, just tracking. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, uh, but that one has Steve Rogers wandering a post-apocalyptic wasteland inhabited by red skulls. What does that mean? I don't know, fucking know. Um, we have uh, Deadpool. The end. What was that? It sounds like the Dark Knight. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Deadpool: The End, number one, written by Joe Kelly, illustrated by Mike Hawthorne. So we see Joe Kelly, who is probably one of, if not the most recognizable Deadpool guy 
who gave Deadpool's personality returned to the book. Uh, Wade Wilson may seem unkillable, but there's more than one way to put an end to him. And that'll kind of take you through possibly him either being targeted or maybe him trying to die. Not entirely sure about that. And then we have Venom, the end number one, written by Adam Warren, illustrated by Chamba. It, it, it just says Chamba on the solicit. I don't know who that is. Um, but uh, it, it involves Eddie. It involves Venom. I'm not sure if it involves Eddie Brock, but it says it's tale that spans literally over a trillion years. So what that means, no idea. I guess we'll find out. And so those are the the end books coming to you from Marvel. That's the slate right now. No word if they'll do any more after that. But that, that all being said, um, anyone jump out to anybody in particular? Feel free to just kind of jump in. You know, with the the marquee one you're looking for. So. Um, I'm of course gonna want the Doctor Strange one because <laughs> I love that man. Of course, um, of course. Yeah, I mean, I like the I always like the idea of like fictional the end stories because in comic books we can never really get the end. It yeah, just that's never true. happens. The end like never a, really comes. <laughs> yeah, um, and of course the the Venom one is what I'm interested in now because I've been comp- I've become part of the cult of Venom over the past <laughs> two months. Um, and I'm wondering if this is going to ignore or acknowledge the the null stuff, um, and you know, because that's to me, it's like, well, that's his end. He loses to null, and null just consumes us all. But who knows? Yeah, who who can say? Um, I'll jump on your bandwagon and say I'm definitely excited for Doctor Strange number one, mostly because of Leah Williams. I really enjoy her work as a writer. Um, I don't know if you read it, Ben, but she did the What If Magic one shot. Uh, I think it was last uh, earlier this year or later last year. I want to say. Nah, um, I didn't read it. Fair enough. But it was basically Doctor Strange taking magic under his wing before she ever became an X Man and sort of tutoring tutoring her in magic, which I I really enjoyed. Um, and obviously for me as well, the DN, uh, Deadpool DN with Joe Kelly on the book. A- anything with Joe Kelly's name on it, as far as Deadpool's concerned, is pretty much an insta buy. I know so what's going to happen in that cool. one. Deadpool goes sane. You know, you joke, but they actually did that story not too long ago. Oh, I, that really? was an aspect of Cable X Force Messiah War back in the day, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, <laughs> he was around for so long, his healing factor started to degrade, but he became sort of a pawn of Apocalypse at that point. Not a horseman, just a pawn. And, uh, yeah, he kind of went sane, actually, believe it or not. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But, Taser, any any one book jump out to you in particular? Um, with the Captain America one, the reason why I said that it reminded me of The Dark Knight is because, remember, in The Dark Knight, there wasn't a Joker. There were the Jokers. Right, you know? right. Which um, they later co-opted for Batman Beyond. Right, exactly. Um... And I'm guessing this is going to be, you know, set at some point, you know, uh, ahead of of his current time. So whether he's older or whether the the serum is keeping him young, but, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 let's say morals and and what have you is different in America. How he, you know, how he lives in this kind of state, that'll probably be a thing. I have no idea. I'm just guessing. And no, I'm hey, saying it right you know. now, Captain Marvel the end, she's got a girlfriend. I'm saying it. She's got a girlfriend. And I'm saying it'll probably be Spider-Woman. I'll say Valkyrie. I'll take Gamora. that. Gamora. I'll say Valkyrie. Mm. I'm saying it's Gamora. 
All right, we got our bets on on audio recording, people. We will get back to you with the results on that. Which one? Uh, dollars to donuts. They work in a Tessa Thompson look like that's the new quote unquote Valkyrie. Okay, I wouldn't mind Brunhild myself, you know. But either which way, nor would I. Interesting. Uh, well, you know what? I I I guess I'd rather have somebody who looked a little different, not just two big blonde women. <laughs> you, you know. But um, hey, maybe it'll be maybe it'll be America Chavez, you know. Uh, you, you know what? Why not? So, <laughs> so that that that's it right there. Her new girlfriend, it'll be America Chavez. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I know Kelly Thompson, who is uh, writing the Captain Marvel book, likes working with that character because she's brought her with her everywhere. In particular, whenever Kelly Thompson gets a chance to write Kate Bishop Hawkeye, she always works in America Chavez to that storyline. So yeah, yeah, it'll probably pop up that. at some point. Mm. But anyway, yeah, diversity. Well, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, uh, so those books will be coming out starting in January of 2020. And uh, no word yet on if there's any more books coming down the pike, but we will keep you updated on that. Um, that being said, Benjamin, your words earlier pertaining to the venom of it all are uh, they don't fall on deaf ears as we do have some news about the forthcoming sequel to Venom, the movie uh, that was directed by Ruben Fleischer. Now, Ben, did you ever see the Venom movie? I have yet to see Venom. Okay. And Taser, did you see Venom? I thought it was fun. Y'all did a show on it, didn't y'all? Yes, we did. I don't think I was part of that show. Well, I I wasn't because I didn't see it. Huh. I'll have to go back and figure out whether or not I was actually on that show. Uh, but regardless of that, Dead, uh, Deadpool. Venom did good enough that it got greenlit for a sequel. Uh, Ruben Fleischer, who directed the first Venom movie and who would go on to direct Zombieland Double Tap, now in theaters. Um, yeah, well, I know how you feel about it. Um, it, it. It broke all the box office records, but Ruben Fleischer kind of moved on from the franchise. And so I don't know if we covered this, but they're bringing in Andy Serkis as the director of the sequel. Andy Serkis's name you may know as an actor. He played Caesar in the most recent Planet of the Apes trilogy and was Gollum in Lord of the Rings. Uh, so the movie he that is... made him a star, even though he was a CGI character. Yeah, no, he was the dude who started the question of, hey, should these mocap special effect actors get like consideration for awards and shit? And, you know, he carried that through with him as Caesar, I think, as well. So, uh, But yeah, Andy Serkis has been tapped to direct the sequel. Uh, as of yet, untitled aside from Venom 2. But uh, they've also reported that um, they're going to be introducing a new symbiote, of course, uh, which will be Shriek, uh, who I don't recall from Spider-Man comics, but apparently she was something of a fixture over there. She will be played by Naomi Harris. Uh, Naomi Harris was in Moonlight. She was in the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy, the original one. Um, and she was also in a couple of the James Bond flicks, the ones with Daniel Craig. So she's a pretty well-traveled actress, and she'll be stepping in as Shriek, um, another symbiote-fused character. And in addition to that, apparently it's going to, according to this article, dive into symbiote lore, which I don't know if that's setting up Null, Ben, like you said earlier. I hope to God it is. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I guess that depends on how quickly they're working on integrating what they have now in the comics with what's happening in the movie. I guess it's kind of writing, you know, it's writing itself, basically, for, for a future installment. But what what would you think about that, seeing Noel move into the movies? And what, what do you think uh, that would look like? I don't think he should be in, in the movie, but, like, maybe, okay. like, Carnage should... Because, like, the current story... I don't think they should adapt Absolute Carnage, because I feel like that would be a little too soon. But, like, you know, maybe carnage gets like a hint of null 
and you see like just maybe not i don't know maybe they do the symbol or maybe they show the symbol as a post credit scene that would get me enough to like freak the fuck out um because I, th- I think it would give a scope to venom moviegoers that yeah. is not there before um i don't know i think the general public won't like it though because it's like what is this shit it's like you know the space god shit you know Right, right, of course. I, I think it would be cool. I would literally, if they if they tease Null, I would shit bricks. <laughs> and like, flip like, that's Null! That's Null! Oh, fair enough. And uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing about Null later on the episode as well. Um, no, we won't. Read the, read, the, uh, read the chat. Oh, right. My bad. Uh, I, I'm bad. Anyway, uh, Taser, you saw Venom 1. Any interest in Venom 2 and what you've heard so far as far as the sequel goes? Uh, I'll see the sequel because I, I could enjoy the movie if I completely ignore the fact that Venom is a, you know, Spider-Man derivative. You know, you, you, if you mm. just completely If it's its own that, thing. Yes, then it's, it's fine, you know? Um... The null thing, shriek, whatever. That's fine. It's just ideas that, for me at this point. Although Naomi Harris wasn't that the woman who played his girlfriend? No, no. Naomi Harris is a Nubian. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Oh, oh, see, she's the Coco lady. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, she's a she. She's British, I believe. The British uh, African, African British, whatever that term is. She's, she's so. a, a, a Brit af. Indeed, indeed, okay. mm. or Braff, perhaps, Braff. as they say. Is that Braff? Know. Oh God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, look for more Venom Two news as it develops, I suppose. But um, I probably won't step in, and I think part of what you were saying, Taser, about how they try to make it its own thing, I can't separate Venom from Spider-Man because I'm not enough of a Spider-Man fan, I guess. So maybe that's why it weighs on me a little bit more that I just can't stand. Um, you know, getting into Venom, but, uh, you know, it, it's definitely something I guess to keep an eye on. And if nothing else, I saw the post credit scene about, um, Woody Harrelson, uh, you know, being Clayton's Cassidy carnage and the wig looks fucking ridiculous. So I think that's actually really, really fucking funny. <laughs> um, so that is definitely something to keep an eye on, but I, I might check it out to see Woody Harrelson going absolutely fucking batshit in the, um, you know, uh, in the movie. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll keep tabs on that. But um, moving right along from that, uh, I promised you a big piece of news, and we're going to give it to you now, uh, which is basically right that. Yeah, right now. Right, right now. now. Right now. Uh, which will segue, I suppose, uh, into another piece of news we have, or rather just an announcement later on in the episode, so we'll keep you apprised of that. But um, Marvel... Marvel Studios president, Kevin Feige, uh, has been named chief creative officer of You've Marvel Comics. you fucking kidding me. Nope. He why? is now... Why, uh, why, why? Well, uh, according to the article, it's because obviously Kevin Feige has a big presence not only with Marvel, but also with Disney. You know, he, he's, a, he's a major presence and a major creative force <sighs> with the movies and such. Uh, so, yeah, he, he was basically named and he'll be handling uh, creative and story initiatives going forward in the overarching Marvel Comics uh, stuff. So, uh, th- I mean, that being said, um, you know, uh, if I can if I can draw a comparison 
the most recent comparison is probably what Jeff Johns was before they canned him and gave him his own department, quote unquote, let him go play his own business. You know, the kind of guy who yeah, because they finally realized what they'd done. That's why that happened. Yeah, yeah. Admittedly, the dude who goes on and on at length about working for Dick Donner probably wasn't the most uh, creative choice. <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 done. So it's. Um, yeah, no, he's he's the big boss now at Marvel Comics, and he's you know he reports directly to Disney, and uh, yeah, that's 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 just it. Um, Taser, you seem to feel very strongly, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of let you go and see if you have any take on this, uh, just because it. I, I don't think people. Maybe they do. People who only watch the movies and TV shows and stuff, no judgment. But I don't think they understand what this means for the comic side of things. Um, I, to be fair, I, I don't have a problem with, um, with uh, Feige per se. I think he's done a good job. He's okay. had, he, you know, before the, the, um, uh, the MCU became the MCU, he's had eight years to do it because he was working on the Marvel movies back during... Uh, ben Affleck's Daredevil days and the first Hulk, yeah, and all of those movies. Yes, he was produ- executive, pro- either executive or a producer during that period of time. So, yeah, he's been there for a good while. Now that the fact that he was able to take and work with, let's say, the universe rather than this property over here and this property over here fine yeah okay so yeah he's able to take and make use of something as a whole and things have you know by and large come out you know banging but yeah. that doesn't mean that i want this man to be in charge of the comics he's not though then what is he in charge of he's he i mean it's like the same thing that joe casada was when joe casada stepped down as the because the person who's in charge of the comic books is still uh, fake Japanese man. I mean, C.B. Sabolsky. Um, <laughs> so, like, what Feige's role is going to be doing is going to be no different than what Marvel has already been doing for the past uh, 12 years now, which is make their movies, their comics, more like exactly. the movies. Yes. It's go- so it's going to be no- nothing's going to change. Because all his job is, basically, is to take, and this is what Jeff Johns' job was, too, but he, you know, he was... Is basically take these interesting things that are happening in our books and try to get them out to other forms of media. That is what Kevin Feige's job is, and so he's not this. This I hate this headline because it's so fucking misleading. If he was becoming editor in chief, yes, he would be in charge of Marvel Comics, and even then, he's not in charge of Marvel Comics. Technically, Dan Buck is in charge of Marvel Comics because he's the president. But if we're talking about editorial decisions, like he might have a voice for sure. But at the end of the day, C.B. Sabolsky, fake Japanese man, is still the editor-in-chief. He still has the final words unless the mouse overrules him. So in any way, nothing's going to change. It's really just the title at this point. Well, right now, Feggy's got the touch, okay? A lot of people are, you know, they're, they're riding that jock because Endgame was the shit, and... um Fucking Spider-Man did the business that it did. So, Feige can do no wrong. 
Mm, apparently I, not. I, I mean, I, I, at least until he does like, something unforgivable. No, at least until he does something unforgivable, you know? The two, you know, the two things, you know, movies, TV, comics, keep them all separate. <laughs> One influences two. But when you like separation to... of church and state. We yeah, don't exactly. like a mix. There you go. Um, but this, I hope it says Iggy uh, 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 portrays it. And not a whole lot will change, but okay. I'm a defeatist in this regard. I mean, yeah. You're already living this reality. We saw Robert Downey Jr. drawn as Tony Stark. We saw Captain America had his armor right, changed and we also saw to the movies. Get the organic web shooters. I understand. Yeah, that. we've seen all but of that. So if, if that's your fear, they've been doing that. You've been living yeah, this nightmare for the past that 15 it years. Way more prevalent. That's my. Fear. It's already prevalent. No, no. I said way more. Little bits it's here and there. I, it, it hasn't been that great. Little bits here and there I can kind of deal with because I can expect it because reasons. But I, mm, I, 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 I'm just I'll just be over here crossing my fingers, hoping hoping that they don't start making decisions that the the gen pop, you know, that that, that becomes more easy. <laughs> the gen pop, the, like where prisoners are fucking. Yeah, because, I mean, the gen pop are the ones that are, are uh, for the most part, seeing the movies. It's mostly them. I mean, we're a small part of that. You know, the fans are a small part of the people that, that uh, spend the money to go, t- to go get the tickets. The gen pop, the rest of them, I don't want to use the term, but the normies are the one that is spending the cash and bringing the kid, the grandmother, you know, Aunt Susie, Uncle Kevin from out of town, you know, it's them. They're the ones dumping most of the money, all right? So as long as they don't start making book decisions so that it becomes easier for them to access it, Mm. I'm good. That's all I care about. Don't dilute the... The main source is. They've been doing. They've been diluting the main source. It's been happening, and Faye coming in ain't gonna change anything. It might be less because like they don't have anything. It might be less now, so because they don't really have anything, like Avengers related. A lot of the new stuff coming out is like all the weird shit. So you might get more of that stuff, and they might be pushing that stuff, but that's fine. Captain Marvel (laughs) too. I mean, sure, yeah, but nobody reads her book, anyways. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, the one thing you can say you can make you can change the books to reflect the comics all you want, or change the comics to reflect the movies all you want. There's also Thor four. Well, there's also the matter of you can't. Yeah, they're doing have to buy the comics like they buy the movies or go to the movies and stuff. Yeah. People more consistently vote, and at that point, comics are so much more of an investment, I think, than movies that it's just like a cost thing where it's like, well. And also, here's the thing. Yeah. It's, it's something that we've learned since 2008. Just because a movie makes a billion dollars doesn't mean those people are going to walk into a comic store and buy a billion copies of Avengers that number one or whatever. <laughs> ain't going to happen. We've learned this. Yeah, we've true. learned this, so we don't have to worry about it. Indeed. Indeed. So, I mean, Feige's record will speak for itself when the time comes, so we'll, we'll, we'll wait and judge, I guess. Hindsight will be the main thing here, but yeah. That being said, 
there's really no not a whole lot to say. Like like you say, Ben. I mean, whether or not that it, it it really impacts the comics, that'll remain to be seen. But they've already done a fair bit to sort of move towards, you know, actually being the real thing, or movies being comics, cosmic movies. Where does the line end? You know. So, all right. Uh, so we'll move on from that, and we'll revisit that if, when the time comes. John, John may want to get a word in edgewise next time we actually do one of these. Um, but that being said, let's move into comic reviews, where it is the dawn of a new era. Yes. Yay! Dawn of awkward family dinners. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> we are starting with X-Men number one, written by Jonathan Hickman, I think it's how you pronounce that, and uh, illustrated by Lionel Francis Yu, who, uh, one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite artists, it's like this book was made for me, maybe. Um, we pick up at the end of what Powers of X and House of X were, and I know throughout this I've been reviewing those books, and normally I would take that as an individual review. Spoiler alert, I didn't do it for this episode because, honestly, there's nothing you need to know really right up front that happens in that last issue. Uh, Carrie's over here. Yeah, all you need to know is that Krakoa is an island mutant nation, and all the mutants have sex with each other. Basically, yeah, and we're going to get into that in a second because boy oh my looks like uh, cyclops and logan buried a hatchet there for a second um that being said we kick off with um cyclops leading his crew of the x-men into an orcus cell orcus as you'll recall is the contingent of human scientists from all different branches of government and private entities coming together to try to find a way to stop the mutants um in doing so they uncover a cell of you know, Orcus who have been harvesting mutants and keeping them prisoner. And so this mission is basically, you know, uh, freeing the mutants mission. Um, in addition to that, we get some father daughter action. That sounds dirtier than I meant it to, uh, with Magneto and Polaris, uh, tearing a hole through the Orcus cell. And, uh, weirdly enough, the Orcus scientists transform into like giant gorillas or whatever to try to hold off the X-Men. Honestly, which that I- made me smile. <laughs> that, I love how bad shit that is. It's just so good. Um, so Magneto keeps them at bay while Cyclops and Storm and Polaris, um, you know, breach these cells. And they find at first one person who is a post-human, not necessarily a mutant. Um, as Hickman distinguished in his book, post-human is a technologically or machine-enhanced human that is sort of evolved past the need for mutation, which is like a nat... What? Spider-Man. No. Uh, Because what you have is it's more machine than organic. You could argue that Peter Parker's was organic because it was naturally naturally mutated or naturally modified with, you know, it came from a natural source. Um, But these are basically humans that have kind of evolved or, or been augmented to evolve beyond the need for standard mutation, which sort of puts them at a counterpoint with uh, mutants. So Captain America... Um, yeah, so this this post-human cuts and runs, and we'll probably see more of her later on down the line. But for now, Cyclops maintains focus in getting these mutants back to Krakoa, where they return. And Magneto's hailed as a hero, and Cyclops and Polaris and, and all that. you know. And Cyclops just sort of reminisces on a cliff about how you know his dad's in town for a visit, and they have a whole family dinner thing. And he just thinks to himself, he reflects on when he brought his son into the world back when, you know, uh, Gene gave birth to Nathan and how he was so terrified of the world that his son was going to grow up in because of the blood he carried. What? I thought that was Madeline. Um, I don't 
think, do they say that? I don't know. Madeline I don't Bryan know. Honestly, who knows at this point? Uh, I'll, yeah. But regardless of any of that, I'll actually get to that in a second because uh, Cable, Nathan, is in this and straight up calls Gene Mom. So there's no sort of, you know, whatever there. Uh, but Even though it's not Scott Rem- her mom, Madeline yeah. Pryor. We'll, we'll get to the weirdness of it. Don't worry. That part's coming up. But yeah, Cyclops is just sort of whimsily reminiscing about how, you know, the world that his son was brought into and how it was dangerous and now how they're creating this better future for them and how this is finally home and his family can be safe. And Polaris kind of looks at him and goes, do you actually believe any of that bullshit? Like straight up? Because he's so like, just like fanciful and reminiscing. And he looks at her and he goes, oh no, I believe every single word of it. Like Scott is a true believer in Xavier's dream. Huh, or whatever you that said the phrase. You mean again? Yeah. Yeah. I did. I, I said a couple phrases in there altogether, which, uh, you know, uh, we also get a little cutaway thing. Uh, the Orcus Station taser, you'll recall from the big suicide mission. Yep, yep. Um, it's being overseen and being rebuilt by this head scientist guy. Uh, he's putting, you know, they're they're sending all of the scientists who were murdered literally into the sun as like Star Trek funeral type thing. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, so this guy's just talking about how one of the doctors, um, I forget her name, her name escapes me, but her husband and her friends and stuff were all murdered when the X-Men took the ship uh, initially and tried to sabotage it. And uh, we cut back to that a little bit later on, and I'll, I'll just get that out of the way right up front, which is basically that, you know, she thinks that she has a way to bring people back, and she pulls out a small crystal. And if you'll recall, earlier in House of X and Powers of X, Xavier spoke about how part of what he uses to sort of retain the personalities of, you know, these people, these mutants who can potentially die and be brought back are Shi'ar crystals, like practically fragments of the McCran crystals and such. So I think that's what that is. Could also potentially be something linked to Mr. Sinister. It looks like it could be like a larger like mind gem or whatever, you know, the little thing he has hanging on there. Um, I doubt that's it. That's probably more leaning towards the Shi'ar bit, but... Regardless of any of that, we'll see how that plot line develops. In the meantime, we have a family dinner to get to in the blue area of the moon, where the Summer's house is located. And holy shit, is it a little weird. There's a little Stepford wifey, kind of. A little unnerving. Um, we get Corsair back in, you know, hanging out with Scott. Yay, Corsair! Gabriel like Summers... Vulcan is on cooking duty. He's grilling steaks, and Logan's chirping at him that he likes his steak rare and that he should just give me my steak. And Gabriel, ever the villain, says, oh, sure, I'll give you your steak rare, medium rare. And he fires up the grill, and Wolverine just calls him a son of a bitch. I'm going to have to kill him. we get Cable, Cable, Nathan Summers, uh, and it's the younger one, the newer one that showed up recently in Rosenberg stuff. So he's he's still hanging out. He's the new Cable, I guess. Uh, you know, the one they're using. Uh, he's hanging out. Rachel Summers is hanging out. I guess her name is Prestige now. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, it's been the thing. Fair enough. She's getting hit on by some sexy alien lady, so that's something to watch. Gene uh, is like. I think the nearest approximation is almost like Sue Storm, but without any of the personality a little bit. <laughs> you know, telling her kids to table deer and, you know, hey, Scott, how are you? And blah, blah, blah. So Gene's domesticated. 
basically a little bit yeah and we'll and we'll get to why in a second because i really want to talk about that so we're going to hang on to that for just one second um they present corsair with a a krakoan flower which is a portal back to krakoa whenever he wants it so he can come and visit them and um you know after the dinner and after they're scrubbing up and and cooking and you know cleaning everything up you know corsair just points out that you know, you guys have lived in dangerous times before, but what you're doing now, you're making big moves. You're going to elicit bigger responses. So, and Cyclops is like, it's never any different than what it was. You know, we're ready for it, they're, but they're never going to stop coming regardless. So I'm going to be here holding them off. And Corsair is kind of okay with that. And, uh, you know, that's kind of it for the first issue of X-Men. It's a little weird, I'll say that. But the detail I really want to get to is, much like in X-Men comics, Hickman loves his minutiae. He loves throwing stuff out there. He includes a detailed blueprint of the summer house and shows that uh, Jean Grey's room is linked to both Cyclops' room and Wolverine's room just straight up. And they don't comment on it. But it's implied that there's uh, either a polyamorous or an open relationship going on there between the three of them. No, like 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 most women, she likes to have her her choices. Sometimes she wants it hard and fast, and other times she wants to be held. <laughs> uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, it's just so weird because it, it's. First of all, the X the X Men as they're pitched in this book are basically just the Summers family, as Taser and I've spoken about at length before. Plus Wolverine, and Wolverine's just like the hanger out yeah, dude. That, He's like, does what the not fuck's look he right. Not no, right. and yet in the blueprint, it is explicit that their their rooms are all linked together and open to each other. They're and all that is doing just... it. They're all doing it. Everybody's fucking everybody. What is going on? And it. it God, it seems so obvious, but I guess Scott and Logan finally found a way to get past their competitive nature and just share Gene, I guess. So, yeah. Unless it works the other way around, in which case, I don't know how, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I'm wait, at a wait, loss, wait, honestly, a little on. bit. Why isn't sure. Emma a thing? Emma? Yes. Um, well, she broke up. she's not Gene, that's why. Yeah, there's that. But um, hold on, he's been with Emma for 20 years? Him and Emma have been yeah, but she's, he was years. with Jean longer. Yes, and, and then he wasn't. even when Emma was he, alive, he still he got Jean. rid of Jean because Jean was plain, and Emma was the one that was satisfying. That actually, need. I think he got rid of Jean because Jean died again, if I'm not mistaken. No, and then... remember uh, when he after he was married to Jean. He was having a, a mental thing with Emma in his head. Look, Taser, you're picking apart plot details that I'm nobody cares about. I know you're just done, saying. And it look, was Emma they're probably that fucking was Emma. Fire. Look, he's look. If, if the the issue of House of X, like Scott and Emma are fucking, Gene and Emma are fucking, Scott and Logan are fucking, the X Men are fucking. Okay, they're Wait all fucking Scott each and other. Logan are fucking. Scott and yeah. Logan are fucking. Yeah. They're all Why not? So, you know? hey. who's fisting who? Because I'd be careful. Welcome to Krakoa. Put a dick <laughs> in your mouth, you know? Wait a minute. So, is Polaris and Magneto fucking? Probably mm, not. No. There's probably limits, but like... Why not? If... They're, just, they're, they're homo superior, so it shouldn't be... Yeah, but they're related to each other, dude. <laughs> and also, just as a brief... Dendum before we move on to the actual review portion, <laughs> Taser. Um, there's a couple of empty rooms noted on the Summer's uh, house blueprint, so Emma could pop up for like a weekend or two. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of hang out. Yeah, um, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm actually going to pass this off first. Uh, 
Taser, since you seem so inquisitive, I'm actually going to let you go first. What did you think of X-Men number one? <laughs> What's going okay. on in this room? What's going on in that room? What's going on over there? Honestly, I I hadn't thought of the sex things until you guys mentioned it. I hadn't even considered it. Wow. I, 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 yeah, exactly. Go Go figure. I completely didn't think about the sex at all. Wow. Um, that is saying something. <laughs> uh, I'll give Hickman this credit. He's come up with a very interesting idea. Ooh, pardon me, excuse me. Um, a very interesting idea to wrap the X, excuse me, the X Men in, and it, it'll likely be this. Nice, long, really detailed and intricately written and woven thing that'll keep people enraptured for a while. What, did you miss the 12-part introductory miniseries that just happened? (laughs) I don't think it'll... I don't think that thing will be the new thing moving forward when he leaves the book. It's going to go back to what it was before. You know, yeah. See that that's that's part of the problem with Hickman, and that's part of the problem with doing things like that to characters like these. You know, I mean, this big grand. Th- I mean, this is grand, and I, I I'm not hating it. You know, it, it's 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 interesting. It's new, and I I, I don't want to say breath of fresh air, but it's like, mm. wow, that that is some shit. But once he leaves. It's really doubtful that, you know, whatever, you know, creative team comes aboard afterward are going to want to continue with that. It, it, not saying it won't happen, just that it's doubtful. You no, know? that's that's completely fair. And, and to be fair as well, I'll have to try and dig it up. But I recall a while ago I read an interview uh, Hickman did where he openly acknowledged that in comic books to do your own thing, you kind of almost end up putting stuff back at the end of it in what a previous status quo was. Yeah. So I think he's well aware of that. And I think this might be like a set engagement where they give him the time he needs to tell the story and then he kind of puts everything back itself i don't know or maybe there's like an expiration date where like once this is done you can do whatever you want with the x-men after that i, I don't honestly know how that's going to go over so well I, I i'll be honest i don't think i want to be on the ride for this because okay. i think i i'll have to really kind of pay attention because of how hickman tells the stories yeah and yeah. given how i feel about you know, mm-hmm. comics these days. I, I, I can't guarantee that. I, I'm certainly not going to be like I was when I was, and, and I don't mean this in any sarcastic way, but when I was your age where, you know, come comic book day, I'm right there at the store. <laughs> what came in? What came in? You know, I, I'm not going to do that, you know. Um, as a matter of fact, there have been a few books that have come and gone, and I, I know in previous shows I went, oh, yeah, I want to read that. Oh, oh. Oh, um, oops. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I thought I had uh, enough time to go in. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, I, and, and, and looking at this, this this really is different from anything X-Men-wise I've read in a long time. And I mean from back when I was reading X-Men seriously, you know. Um, I, I, shit. 
all I can say to, to anybody who decides to uh, get involved with this is good luck, and I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> um, good luck, and may God be with you. <laughs> you know, no, only because, like I said, you know, the, know. the one hallmark that you can take from uh, a good writer is how well he affects the character once they've left. Some writers, when they, you know, when they do, when they have a character or they have an, uh, a thing for a good while, after they leave, some stuff sticks around. But because of how radical Hickman's idea is for the X-Men, I really don't see that. No, you know, that's, I, that's I, completely I, fair. Yeah, you know. I, I don't see it. And I think, well, that's kind of the shame. And I, I and like said before, that's also I think kind of necessary because this is really really different, you know. And I don't know if you can go back to square one, you know, nice and neat without, you know. Although, yeah, and actually to that point, I don't know if you caught it, uh, Taser, but when they're talking about the Orcus station out in space. They blatantly reference what Stark and Richards were doing over yeah, in New Avengers during I saw his that. run. I, I and I was like, oh, oh, shit, really? They, wow, two name drops. Seriously, Damn, you know. So I was, oh wow, okay. So yeah, and 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 that's the other thing. I don't know how the X Men now fit into the Marvel universe because if I had if I had if I had Hickman pitch this idea to me, this would be a alternate story you know and mm. you know then it could be it's you know it, it's it's set on earth a different earth where all that stuff that he did with the uh, moira happened but because it happened there was a divergence and it's on this earth and let him run with it but we still have you know the main marvel you know the 616 um that that would be the Hicks, hickman verse shall we say right but, right you know this is supposed to be within the 616 yes and i, I shit man i, I mean hell <laughs> just the things with the um the the krakoa tech i wasn't aware that krakoa could make tech you know the idea that that they decided to take and kind of branch themselves off on the side of the blue area of the moon i thought that was a great idea i mean you know a place to just get away and you really don't have to worry about anybody finding you? That makes sense. You know, I salute that idea. But that when he when he was explaining to his father the whole thing about the plates. And I, I'm just kind of... But I thought Krakoa was just an island where shit grew. You know, and I, when, when, when did this shit happen? <laughs> During the, the House of X, Powers of X shit. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I didn't read it, so uh, but what I, the flower was, stuff? No, the the whole um, the, the 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 well, help making a habitat that survives space. That was that. I mean, that is a. I think that stems out of the first issue or two where they talk about you know okay. Krakoa can build gates and stuff, but okay. as far as the goo, that's that's a new thing. I, I that was never referenced in any of the. Uh, X House of X Powers of X stuff, and and so. and, and the flower the flower gates that was in the first issue too. That was yes, it was. Wow, yes, okay. it was. Right. Yeah, no, Krakoa basically can do. It acts as like a one way, like a wormhole type thing where it can get you where you need to go. So that is that is established in House of X Powers of X. Oh, and you know, 
something that also kind of got me. Where was Professor X? Uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised that you know when when they everybody decides that you know they finished everything and everything went back. No Professor X. You know. I mean, maybe he's got a lot of important stuff to do. You know. I would think all of the, well. I, I, it just I'm not gonna you know really you know push that button. I just thought it was weird that you know there was all this like downtime, chilling, eat the burgers and drink a beer, and no Professor X. You know, but. Oh, that's that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Maybe he just didn't get the invite to the summer's house. <laughs> you know, you know, you you can keep your you can keep your ass oh, away oh, from maybe here. Professor X is like, yeah, I remember that time you killed me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Force five in effect. <laughs> okay, uh, Benjamin, you're up next, buddy. What'd you think of X Men number one? Have at it. Um, weird. Uh, it was very weird. Uh, definitely the weirdest X-Men number one. It didn't feel like a number one issue. Um, if anything, I'll say that. And I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, it is... Uh, I don't know. I like the art a lot. I, I mean, it's still continuing off the powers of X, which I'm still calling the X-Men a cult. I've been saying that on Twitter for a while now. <laughs> that, that That's what Hickman's grand idea. Oh, big one big cult. Um... He's basically feeding him a fucking lie because the whole premise is that they lose no matter what they do. Um, mm, so enough. like, so like, I don't know. I'm 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 very. I'm sorry, this is gonna be short, but yeah, I, I thought it was good. That's okay. Um, but uh, I just think it's too it's it's, it's too fucking. I think it's too weird. I think it's. Like it's not even like because I like my 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 weird comic books right I, I I don't I like that shit sure sure but like I feel like some of the stuff like why like I had so many questions that like and, and maybe that's a number one issue supposed to do right you know why is Nathan Summers the young Nathan Summers acting like a teenage acting like a kid when the last time I saw him he was a full fledged killer you know why why is Wolverine living with them. You know, like stuff oh, like that. We know why he's, uh, yeah. he's living with them. Like why, like, why are there random star jammers there? Oh, maybe that's because Corsair's there. I don't know. I have to because, like, I don't think this is gonna function like a like a uh, like a legit X Men team. I just think this is gonna be the book that most of the story will weave through. I have no idea. I can't rate this book because I don't know what the fuck to think. Really, I'm just confused. <laughs> I'm just like. Yeah, it's it it is. I mean, it's 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 simple on the face of it because literally half the book is just a family dinner. But then, if you know what has happened in this series up to this point, it becomes well. How the fuck does any of that work? It's almost more confusing if they went like real, like you know, uh, if they went like whole hog and just went fucking crazy with it. You know, it, it it's definitely. I don't want to say it's not for the faint of far because that makes it sound like wicked fucking like dense and shit. It's not. You can get through most. Honestly, having read all of House of X and Powers of X, you can pretty much get through this without really needing to read anything beyond the first issue. I want to say first issue of House of X. Um, but the, all that being said, I mean, I think it's an interesting step back from what Hickman's been doing because 
as as I've spoken about and as established, the books over there, House of X, Powers of X, they jump rope with the fucking like universe timelines and alternate parallel realities, and you know it, it's it's a huge thing over there to just jump from you know one universe to the other, and and they handle it with ease, it would seem. And yet the family dinner issue is almost more like complex or confusing than any of that because it's like, well, how did this get here and how did this get there? And I don't know if Hickman almost chose not to acknowledge it or if he just like dictated that he would not acknowledge anything that was done, um, which on the one hand is if only all our uh, writers could write that way. But on the other hand, that seems like kind of a fuck you to everyone who was working on this shit beforehand. Um you know, so it was definitely interesting. Um, I, I I wasn't quite sure what to make of it myself. Um, I'm um, I'm assuming, like you said, Ben, this will be the one that kind of weaves in and out of all the other stuff going on because there's like five other books that are coming out, uh, or six rather, I think. I, I think. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this all pans out. But I mean, suffice to say, I was interested by it. Um, I love Leonel Liu. I love Hickman. So I I thought it was solid. I mean, I give it a I give it a three and a half, four out of five. Uh, you know, I don't know what you guys want to chime in on the rating, but you know, whatever you got. So, Ben, you go. I give it a four Indeed. out of five. Huh. All right, Taser. Um, I'll give it a three, three at three All out right. of five. All right. Average and a decent score. I mean, at least you know, at least on the positive side of things um you know interesting start almost a surreal start for the x-men in their new uh, new numbering but we'll see uh, we'll see how things go because i'm sure there are other books you guys will probably be more interested in i would have to think uh they're coming down the pike so we'll, we'll, we'll see what bubbles to the top and what falls away um but all that being said let's jump into individual reviews benjamin you're up first you got doctor strange number 20 uh not anything related to symbiotes and carnage and whatnot so go, go ahead go ahead and take it sir so, um, Doctor Strange number twenty. This is actually the final issue of this run. Um, oh, so I didn't like, know that. yeah, uh, I didn't know that either. Um, oh shit. Um, so uh, I've actually liked Mark Wade's run because he came on after. This is after Jason Aaron and after um, what's his name, the current writer, um, uh, uh, Cates, Donny Cates, Donny Cates' run, stuff like that. You know, like that stuff was always fun. But like Mark Wade's kind of done a solid run in Doctor Strange. I don't think his this run will be remembered all that well sadly mm. uh, except for the galactus magic arc like, that stuff was super awesome <laughs> um but like basically so the last couple of issues have kind of been one shots where like dr strange there's one up one like two issues before this like dr strange goes to a a random house that's like been like taken over by the spirit and he's just like invading their lives i'm like who the fuck is this asshole why is he here it's so funny go read it if you just want a dr strange comic in your life but you don't want to commit to a series so but basically the premise of, the, of this issue is in the previous issue uh dr strange uh tries to save the boy of uh, this boy's life who's having who had a terrible uh, um um uh, like it was he like he something happened to his head he got knocked out and Doctor Strange had to basically – he couldn't just use magic to wish it away. He had to, like, do surgery for it. But, of course, he hasn't been a surgeon in so damn long, and his hands were broken. So, basically, he makes a deal with, with, the, with like, an evil ma- magic creature that, like, you either, you're either going to go to hell or you're going to learn all the magic you need, and he learns the magic he needs. So, um, basically, it kind of inspired Doctor Strange. Like, well, I have I, – I was – before I became – 
the Sorcerer Supreme and learn this new this new way of helping people and become the protector of reality. Um, I was a surgeon. I help people that way. Like, should I go back to that? So basically, this like he he basically sums up like I'm going to go back to being a surgeon while still being the Sorcerer Supreme. Interesting. Um, yeah. So they're so like basically that ends this sort of run, and they're launching a new book in December, I think, called Doctor. Sh- a new Doctor Strange series where he's a surgeon. Um, it, Interesting. That's um, really so, fucking cool. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Um, and of course, the ghost bats bats the the ghost dog is still there. <laughs> um, like I didn't know. Like all of a sudden, it's just, it, the, the the issue didn't say final issue or, or anything like that. It's just like it's just you know this this sort of volume ends in a new volume. Doctor Strange is going to start, which I I think is interesting that they're going to make him a surgeon again and have him try to balance that life. Cause for a while he was a, he was a vet, you know, having people and like, he, he cast, he's basically like, you know, do I, you know, do I save one life or do I continue saving the life of billions? You know, what, what do I do here? Right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause you would, I mean, most, most superheroes or, you know, in general keep like an identity that still lets them help people. So the fact that almost he hadn't is almost a little weird considering where he came from, you know? weird yeah and the art's really good um like i said this this i've almost dropped this one a couple of times but like i don't know mark way is just solid so i never did um uh like it's 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 been a lot of fun though it's been a lot of fun uh i don't know who the writer is i don't know if mark wade's coming back or not which that's gonna be the defining point if i want to keep reading the book because you know i've gotten more doctor strange in the past four years than I've ever gotten before. So I don't know if I need to go any further, but I'm kind of curious on where they go next. Um, it was definitely an interesting. It was definitely an interesting finale for sure. I give it a, a four out of five. All right. That's legit. All right. Well, we'll see where Dr. Strange goes next. Um, you know, with his, uh, with his hopefully next series. Uh, uh, but Taser, you're delving a little bit into the animated side of things. Are you not? Unfortunately. Okay, easy. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I I read the Marvel Rising. The newest entry in the series uh, is Marvel Rising Shuri, because the uh, Wakandan princess decides to uh, get some play. Um, whoever is doing this series, they you know they kind of toss her in here you know, uh, for color, because, um, Patriot is gone, I don't know if he left in the last one, which was the band episode, mm-hmm. they did a band episode, a band episode, a band, they, they, they played music, yeah, okay, and, and, and I, 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 I couldn't even stick around for that one, I was gone like the wind, I, I was going like uh, uh, like Jay Z after his first two girlfriends said they were pregnant. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I I I I, did, I couldn't stick around for those. But this one, I figured, oh look, Shuri, and they'll probably do something with Wakanda, and it'll probably be like really interesting. There'll be some kind of adventure. No, this episode was basically. No matter how perfect somebody is, 
there's always something on their end that they wish that they could do that you can do. You know, so basically, grass is always green on the other side. It was that episode. It was okay. the episode that is like one out of every three um, after-school specials. Uh, it's like every fifth episode of every season of Say by the Bill, Say by the Bell. It's that. So you're not you so can... excited? So excited? Uh... <laughs> You have no idea how many times I've seen this story rifted off, you know, in, in various forms, whether it be animated, live action, in paper, you know, in print. Mm -hmm. I, it was just, I, I've been there and done that. So by, I think, minute five, I'd already figured out what was going to happen. Anyway, um, the... Um, I don't think they have a team name yet, but the girls are are, are kind of uh, working around. They had just finished actually doing some training in a room where um, Squirrel Girl had some kind of techno basketball, basketball dodgeball thing that she built. Because, yeah, Squirrel Girl knows technology now. Sure. And anyway, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Captain Marvel comes in and she tells him, and they, they all form up. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, she tells him that she's going out of town, but in the mean t in the meanwhile, Shuri was going to show up. And they, they played the, um, you know, some of the Black Panther stuff in the background. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And the little squirrel thing, he did the, the cross the cross hand salute thing and I went yeah that 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 just that had to happen and of course you had Kamala getting tongue tied because Captain Marvel was in attendance and uh Squirrel Girl getting giddy because Shuri was there and then you had uh what's her name um America who was kind of like okay whatever and what's her name? Um, Gwen just kind of wanted to get back because she had been practiced. So, yeah. Um, Shuri, of course, is smart. And she's intelligent and athletic. And she's brave. And she's good with technology. And she can figure things out. And in all the little different visionettes that she has with the girls... She's able to do things that they can't. And it kind of rubs them the wrong way because, you know, they had this thing that they did and it was theirs. And she comes in and she's actually got solutions to, you know, help solve them. And, you know, it's problematic. You know, it's like, I sure hate Shuri. She sucks. She's so smart and perfect and she's so attractive. Well, they don't really do attractive. So, you know, there's a bonus there at least they don't do that but you know it, it, it it's it's that episode where i'm jealous of this person because they can do everything and then sure enough there's an emergency and they've got to go to the pier because um this super tanker decides to capsize even though well well, well things things go wrong and of course things go wrong because shuri actually deals with 
the big issue, which is the oil leaking into the water. And she sends out nanobots, and the nanobots form a shield and keeps all the oil in one place. And yay, okay, that's smart. But then she gets caught up in something, and she gets trapped. Oh no, Shuri gets trapped. And nobody knows that she's there. So then the girls finally get to the the tanker, and I'm like, oh look, there's a lady working on the tanker, and there's another lady working on the tanker. Yeah, there are women that are working on men on jobs that are typically held by men, because Marvel Rising. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, they they rescue all the crewmen and um, Kamala and America. They you know they plug the leak so to speak. But I'm like, okay. They don't really show why the thing is capsizing. <laughs> but doesn't matter. They they, they they stopped the leak that had the oil going into the water. And it decides to go, screw it. I'm going to just start capsizing the other way. And like, oh no. Well, we can't stop this. Even though America is kind of strong enough to pick the whole damn thing up. Um, So let's get out of here. And wait a minute. Are those nanobots? Yes, Nanobot's holding back the oil. That means Shuri beat us here. Oh no, where's Shuri? And meanwhile, Shuri's trapped under some wreckage and the water's coming in and she's kind of, I can't move my arm because I broke my Wakandan bracelets that, you know, allowed me to show up all the other girls. She fell 10 feet and the thing shattered. The vibranium bracelets shattered after her hitting them on a metal deck from 10 feet. <laughs> oh, God. oh, my Lord. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she fell and the thing shattered, so she couldn't call for help. And then uh, something else fell and it trapped her arm. I can't move my arm. Oh, no. And, and now the thing is it's sinking and I'm going to drown and I can't call for help. And I don't have my... Um, remember, Shuri was also once Black Panther. Which means that Shuri, while she's no longer Black Panther, and, and I, I guess in this universe, she wasn't Black Panther, but, you know, fine and dandy. She should still be a little bit stronger than normal, though. But it doesn't matter here, because she needed to be trapped so that the others can come rescue her. And then they can feel good about themselves, because they did a good job. And as they're flying away from the from the super tanker, understand a super tanker is a boat. It's a long boat with, with tanks. It's a long boat. And the thing's capsizing. So that means it's kind of rolling over. And it's it's sinking. It's sinking. So they start to leave the the, the, the capsizing super tanker and they treat it as if they're escaping the Death Star. It, it, it was okay fair enough uh it, it was just you know they they were trying so hard to to make it right. a thing and I, I i was just i was rolling my eyes you know I, I i i i regretted watching this i understand i'm not the target audience for this i i watch it because it's animated <laughs> and it's marvel but oh my god oh, oh god can we bring back Patriot for for some real diversity? You know, put put a male back on the show. Can we can we do that? Uh, males aren't diverse enough, there, Taser. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> and um, oh, and of course we had Shuri thanking them for saving her life because apparently she had to have done something wrong. And all the other girls go, "Wow, we were wrong. You're not as you're not as perfect as we thought you were, and we're not as awesome as we thought we were." I just. So yeah, um, let your daughters watch it because they haven't seen this crap before like I have, and the lesson will get taught to them. If you're over the age of 15, don't watch this. Don't do it. Do not do it to yourself. Um, that being said, the animation was fine, and the story is somewhat necessary. Sure. <laughs> uh, so let's say I'll be generous and give it a 1.7 warriors out of 5. I'm sorry. That's all it gets. I'm sorry. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Um, and for my bit, I'll be reviewing Doctor Doom number one, uh, written by Christopher Cantwell, who I can't find any of his past credits. I don't know he uh, what, what well. he's. Christopher Cantwell. He not can't what well. <laughs> uh, illustrated by Salvador La Roca. So that's always nice. Um, so the story sets up the premise that humanity has constructed this thing called the Antleon Control Center, which is basically that it is the solution, quote-unquote, to climate change. Um, it's going to remove CO2 emissions from the Earth, and it's going to cool the world. However, as a byproduct, this thing uh, creates stuff that's worse for the environment than nuclear runoff. So they build a black hole on the moon to dispose of it all. So, uh, Doctor Doom. Whose what? idea was that? Uh, it's not specifically given to anybody, but uh, believe it or not, one a couple of names bandied about are Richards and Stark, of course. <laughs> uh, so they're doing a. It opens with literally like a news station, and Doctor Doom actually is invited on as a guest, you know, uh, sort of person to speak on the matter, and he says it's going to lead to a disaster of interstellar proportions, and they're like, but. But, you know, Tony Stark and Richards. And he goes, Richards is as sloppy as Stark is reckless. And he just says, mark my words, it's going to blow up. And the news anchor guy is like, yeah, okay, Dr. Doom. What are you even a doctor of anyway? Like, this, dude, this dude calls out Dr. Doom on national television. And that'll come back later. Uh, but Dr. Doom ends the news segment and, you know, it, it sort of plays with the psychology of Doom, you know, this after everything that happened in Secret Wars where he was handsome, and then he's not handsome anymore. And it, it plays with him, you know, the future of his nation weighing on him. He's dealing with incursions from other countries, and, and Kang actually makes a quick appearance. He jumps in, and he's just untethered in time at this point, so he has no idea where he is. And he's like, where, where am I? He's like, late 21st century. Like, oh, okay, fair enough. And he stays for a moment and, moment and chats with Doom. And Doom expresses that he has great fear uh, for the state of the world. He thinks that, you know, he thinks the world is beyond saving at this point. And, you know, it's not so much that people being complacent is the problem, but it's the fact that we're endlessly pursuing the means of our own destruction, he thinks. So, you know, and he believes he can be the firm guiding hand that solves everything, as, as captured in a couple of visions where he sees himself with a wife and children and... He is literally world minister. Uh, that is his title in his fantasy, world minister. So, 
Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Dr. Doom, you know, weeks after the launch of the Antleon Center, it's actually seeming to be working. Reduction of CO2 emissions are down. The Earth is cooling at a, at a steady rate. And just as Dr. Doom is, you know, tending to the news reporter who called him out and chirped at him, who has been bound, gagged, and chained inside one of Victor's dungeons, because of course he has. You don't call out Dr. Doom on national TV and think you can get away with it. Um, you know, so Dr. Doom is sort of left bereft at this point because he, he, he has this feeling so, so, so certain the world will end, and yet there's just seemingly the world seems to be getting by without him which i think that ego blow is almost more important to him than anything else is the fact that the world is getting by seemingly without him and then the space station blows up completely fucking blows up and nuclear missiles launch from latveria and destroy the entire fucking site um so Dr. Doom tries to figure out what happened. Uh, he, he sees our, his missiles were launched, but then they're able to confirm in Latveria that there was sabotage from within beforehand. But then the next thing you see are armored terrorists waving the Latverian flag over the space station's crater. Like, literally, they're on the moon waving his flag. And so Dr. Doom is being framed for something that he had absolutely no hand in. And he realizes up front that the UN, who have authorized unilateral action, are going to come after him. And immediately as he steps out, he is being assaulted by Union Jack, who was at the Belgrade uh, British Embassy. So he was close by. But then Agent Zero also tries to take a shot at him to collect the Interpol bounty on Doom's head. So you get an action piece of Doom taking on these two dudes, and it ain't no thing for him. Who's Agent Zero? What is it? Who's Agent Zero? Agent Zero was Maverick from the Weapon X program. Oh, okay, 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 okay. All right. Yes. Uh, So he pops up, and despite these people attacking Doom, Doom had previously advised that he was going to surrender. He was going to pass interim leadership on to Victorious, who is Laveria's only superhero who is being controlled completely by Doom. Um, that is something that was set up, I think, in the previous Fantastic Four run, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he, he flat out says, surrender, because I'm going to figure out who did this, but I need to draw them out. I need time. So Doom, in a very undoom-like move, surrenders to the UN immediately, and that's the end of issue one. So it immediately sets up like a whodunit mystery. We'll see where it goes. I will say this, though, that I thought this was one of the better books uh, I bought over the last few weeks. Um, Christopher Cantwell does a really admirable job of characterizing Doom. I think he does a really good job. And to me, I think if, if he is indeed playing it the way I think he is, the subtlety with which he portrays Doom's ego in the face of all these super heroics is something to genuinely behold. Like he does a really good job. And of course, Salvador LaRocca does a great job on art as well, but I have to keep an eye on this kid Cantwell because He's either a flash in the pan or he's a genius, and I don't know which one it is. And if he plays it the way I think he is, he's a genius. So we'll definitely be seeing more of him down the road. But suffice to say, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I give it a four out of five, easy. Ooh. And if you're a Doom fan, I, I, I recommend picking this up all the more. So 
so that is uh, my review of Doctor Doom number one. And that is basically going to be it for the show. But before we go, our own young master, Benjamin Castruda, has an announcement to make regarding episode number 300. Benjamin, are you there and ready? So, yeah, it it is our 300th episode. So we were talking about what are we going to do? What should we do to celebrate this momentous occasion? And I thought, well, let's rank. No, I'm already that right now. I'm not every episode. Um I said, let's rank every single Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Oh, boy. We're finally doing it. Fucking A. Like, this is... If there is ever, like, for every podcast about anything Marvel-related, there is a specter hanging over it, and this is that, I think. But in a good way. In a good way. Like, this is what... We have the Infinity Saga in the books. This is what's been building to, guys. You know? Like, honestly. Can we include Howard the Duck in this? <laughs> no. Damn it. Now, can we include Agent Carter? Because you didn't mention her when you laid down the law. What did earlier. I say? <laughs> what did I say? You didn't specifically mention said, Agent Carter. I said only the 22 movies. No shorts. That includes Agent Carter. No TV shows. The okay, 22 cinematic Ones that actually mattered. Oh, oh, okay. I would, I would argue there's probably one or two cinematic releases that didn't matter, but hey, they matter know. more than Iron the Man TV 3, shows. Anyway. Fair. Mm-hmm. Thor one. Thor matters one. more than the TV shows. It Incredible does. Hulk from 2008. It still Dude, ma- it matters Spider-Man more than TV count? shows. <laughs> yes, they count towards the count. Um, but yeah, so that's that's episode number three hundred news, ladies and gentlemen. We will be ranking all twenty-two Marvel cinematic. Do the movies. X-Men movies count? <laughs> no, they don't count. Is mayonnaise an instrument? No, mayonnaise is not an instrument. Uh, but yeah, that is uh, with that announcement and that tease, that is going to do it for us this week on the Mighty Warriors Three Marvel Podcast. But before we go, we have some responsibilities. We are over on the Facebook at the Mighty Warriors Three Marvel Podcast. Uh, like us there and follow our page. We give you a single dedicated stream of news articles um, from all the important stuff and all the big websites. We give it to you in one place, and we also filter through the clickbaity shit and give you the juice of it. So, you know, if you want to get in on that, feel free to like us over there. You can get our mostly complete archive over at thewarriors3.wordpress.com. So if you want to hear what we sounded like, what, seven years ago, something like that, <laughs> you, can, you can find us over there. I don't recommend it, but hey, you know, I can't stop you. So. Yes, you can listen to Bri Bri before he hit puberty. Hey. Um... <laughs> In addition to that, you can subscribe to us over on Apple Podcasts as well as most other podcast listening apps. Uh, Taser, you, you recently enrolled us in what was it called? Podmatic or something I, I, like that? Yeah, um, I started uploading our, uh, our last two episodes onto uh, uh, Podomatic. And, Podomatic. Uh, I, I, I applied to get us up on Spotify. So I don't know how that's going to work. It may not work at all, or it might, but um, mm. that might be a thing in the future. So fair enough. We'll keep you 
We'll keep you fine, folks, posted on that. But in the meantime, personally, you can follow me over at no Mr. Powers. That's at N-O underscore M-R underscore P-O-W-E-R-S. Benjamin, you have stuff that you do outside of this podcast. What's up with you, man? Um, I do a gaming podcast called the Charge Shot Video Games Podcast that I do every week with a couple other guys. It's a lot of fun. Um, so go go listen to that. And you could just follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash marvelousiggy, where I'm probably retweeting a lot of art. Fair enough. Fair enough. And yeah, for, as a disclaimer, I, I tweet some shit about Tom Brady, so you can you can find that over on my Twitter page as well. Uh, Taser, is there anything that you would like to plug? Um, Ming Now One's not on TV anymore, so I think I'm good for now. Uh... Okay, well, we'll let you work on that. We'll get, we'll come back to that. But um, for this week, this has been the Mighty Warriors the Marvel Podcast. I'm Bri Bri, the newsboy. That's Taser, and that's the marvelous one, Iggy. Ben, what do you say at the end of every episode? No matter what, stay marvelous. Stay marvelous, folks. We'll see you in a couple weeks for episode see you later, 300. Poor dab. I'm the